You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you along on today's show. National Signing Day, just a day away. We'll update you where all the SEC teams rank and uh, who may be climbing up those boards before it's all said and done. Finish with a strong recruiting class. We'll discuss all that. Also, our buddy Dan Matthews from the Chuck Oliver Show is going to join us, talk all things SEC with him. We'll get his thoughts on the Josh Heupel hire at Tennessee, as well as tons of other thoughts. Is Georgia the team to beat in the SEC next year? That's what I'm thinking We'll see what Dan is thinking as well. And some updates on some SEC basketball uh, news. we got a game moving from tonight to tomorrow night, so we'll update you on that as well. I'm Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcast. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. All right, let's jump right into it. we got a lot to get to. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Around the conference. All right, tomorrow is officially National Signing Day across the country. Of course, a lot of the legwork is already done. We uh, The early signing period has become the day where you sign basically like 75 to 90% of your class. But look, we'll finish this thing out tomorrow. Alabama is set to ink the top-rated college football recruiting class of all time, according to 24-7 Sports. Alabama's class has 13 of the top 90 players in the country already signed. And there are an incredible seven five-star prospects either signed or committed. That is pretty ridiculous. Anybody wonder, well, how does Nick Saban do this? Every year, he just is always in the national championship game. Yeah, it's because they recruit like nobody else. And that thing is basically turned into a machine. I don't even know how much work he needs to do. But I don't know if you guys saw the video. There was a video that leaked out a couple days ago from... Uh, somebody recorded Nick Saban's one-on-one recruit visit with a recruit on Zoom. And basically, he utters all the reasons why uh, you should sign with Alabama. Basically, nobody is even on their level in terms of getting to national championship games and uh, winning national titles. And he's right. And it's just a circle of a machine that, unless somebody steps up and starts recruiting and pulling some of those recruits away from Alabama... They're just going to keep doing this until Saban decides to retire. But other than that, as of now, Georgia, they have the third best cl- cl- uh, ranked class, followed by LSU at number four. Here's the thing. I was talking to a buddy yesterday. He said, this is one of the best classes LSU has signed in a long time, yet it ranks fourth. <laughs> I mean, that's how crazy the uh, top recruiting classes are right now. Georgia's got a ridiculous class. Alabama as well, but uh, rounding out the rest of the way, Texas A&M ranks 7th. Florida has the 13th best class, followed by Tennessee, Josh Heupel, at 15th in the country. Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin doing some work. They rank in the top 20 at 19. Arkansas just outside at number 22 overall. Missouri doing a good job recruiting. They rank 24th. Mississippi State at 27, and then we drop down a little bit. Auburn it's down at 38, but Auburn is climbing a little bit. They uh, they were much lower than that, and they're moving up the ranks. Kentucky is 40th, Vandy 49th, and you got to go down a good bit. Shane Beamer has some work to do at South Carolina as they rank 93rd, uh, 93rd best class in the country. Again, all this can change tomorrow with a couple of big names signing with some other SEC schools. We'll see what happens, and 
speaking of Auburn, they picked up a big commitment yesterday. They got three-star Juco linebacker Joko Willis. But he is the Tigers' fourth pickup since Saturday. So things are really starting to pick up for new head coach Brian Harson, And that's why we mentioned maybe when it's all said and done, Auburn ranks somewhere around, you know, top 35, maybe even the top 30. Should be good for them. Well, we will recap all of National Signing Day on Thursday's podcast because, of course, Signing Day is officially Wednesday. So by the time we record Wednesday's podcast, it'll be uh, before everything wraps up. So Thursday, we'll recap everything. Over on the SEC hoop side of things, uh, Kentucky at Missouri. Their basketball game that was supposed to be played tonight is moving to tomorrow night because of Kentucky still doing with dealing with some COVID issues over the weekend, so they needed an extra day. They pushed it back. It's still set for a 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern tip on ESPN2, but it will be tomorrow night. So there will just be three SEC hoops games tonight. Number 11, Tennessee, is at Ole Miss on ESPN2. That's at 6 Central, 7 p.m. Eastern. At the same time, it is 3-6 Georgia at 4-5 Auburn on the SEC Network. A chance for Auburn to get back to 500 in the conference. And at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, it's 4-5 Mississippi State at 5-4 Arkansas on the SEC Network. And just one more note, tomorrow night's game, Alabama versus their home game versus LSU. That game will change channels from ESPN2 to ESPNU. It will still tip at 6 p.m. Central, 7 Eastern tomorrow night. But because of Kentucky-Mizzou, they'd rather put Kentucky on ESPN2 over Alabama-LSU. Speaking of LSU, Coach Ed Ogeron uh, announced he will introduce his three new defensive hires this afternoon in an introductory press conference on Zoom. He will introduce defensive coordinator Durante Jones, linebacker uh, Coach Blake Baker, and D-line coach Andre Carter. So three big hires for LSU's defense and a couple of those guys coming from the NFL ranks. We'll see how they do next year. Former Tennessee volunteer Jason Witten, it was officially announced uh, just a day after he announced his official retirement from the NFL. It was announced he will be the head football coach at Liberty Christian High School. So the longtime Dallas Cowboy tight end, longtime Liberty parent, that's where his kids go. He'll be joining the Liberty Christian coaching staff as the head football coach. The uh, school tweeted out, it's a great day to be a warrior. So we'll see how Jason Witten does coaching the high school ranks, and maybe one day he could be the head coach of the Tennessee Volunteers. And speaking of Tennessee, writer Blake Topmeyer polled over 200 Vol fans to get their feedback on the Josh Heupel hire, and he said he received a passing grade from the fans, with many saying... They are willing to give the new head coach a chance. Time will tell on that. Uh, Florida A&M head coach Willie Simmons, he was being pursued for the South Carolina running backs coach job. Apparently he has agreed to a contract extension with Florida A&M, so he will stay there instead of South Carolina instead of going to South Carolina. So their hunt for a running backs coach continues. And another note, Miami has hired former Auburn assistant, assistant Travis Williams as their inside linebackers coach. Uh, over at Texas A&M, one of their uh, big-time recruits, four-star D-lineman Jeremiah Martin, announced he will explore his options to transfer elsewhere as he enters the transfer portal. And another guy, Brandon Cunningham, over at Mississippi State. Saw time on both the offensive and defensive lines. He has entered the transfer portal. 
played nine games for Mississippi State this past year, including one start. Most of his action came on the offensive side. But he uh, made his debut in the season opening win at LSU. Alabama quarterback Mac Jones apparently received some high marks from coaches and NFL scouts this past week in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, despite uh, suffering an ankle injury that he did not play in the actual game. Former Jets GM Mike Tannenbaum was on SiriusXM on Monday, and he said that he was very impressed. He said, look, during the week, it was no question. Mac Jones impressed me a lot. I don't think he'll go lower than the number eight pick. You could just look at the body language between him and Matt Rule, the Panthers head coach. Look at the year that he had, 41 touchdowns, completed 77% of his passes. Tannenbaum said a year ago, Tua Tagovailoa had more weapons to throw to than Mac Jones did this year. So we talk about guys like Justin Herbert and Daniel Jones, players that really helped themselves at the Senior Bowl, and I think Mac Jones is going to be a big part of that narrative moving forward. So Mac Jones, top 10 pick in the draft? (laughs) We will see. Plenty of time before the uh, draft gets here. All right, when we return, we're going to talk all things SEC with our buddy Dan Matthews from the Chuck Oliver Show. Stay there. Quick minute here for our friends at rockauto.com. We tell you guys they are a family business serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Anything that you guys might need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet, they have got it all. All you do is go to their website, put in your make and model, the year of your car, and you could find whatever you need and they will deliver it right to your door. It is for anybody. If you're just a classic driver, daily driver, whatever you do, in just a few easy clicks, you can get your parts delivered directly to you. they got a unique catalog at rockauto.com, remarkably easy to navigate, and you can quickly see all the parts available for your car and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com, always reliably low and they go for the same for professionals do-it-yourselfers whatever why would you drive across town to that auto parts store where you can't find whatever you're looking for just go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck and make sure you're right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need it's rockauto.com Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. Looking forward to talking to this guy. We try to catch up with him uh, once a month to talk all things SEC. And, man, every time we catch up with him, it seems like something new has happened. Our buddy Dan Matthews, you know him as the executive producer for the Chuck Oliver Show. You follow him on Twitter at DanMatthewsATL. That's Matthews with one T. Dan, what's going on, man? Oh, not much. You know, I mean, it's sometimes when we get to the off season, there's nothing to talk about. But <laughs> I got to say, I think the good news for uh, both of us, Chris, has been that there's been at least something every day. And I guess a uh, post-season coaching search uh, will definitely uh, fire things up. And of course, with Tennessee, anything is really in play. <laughs> well, let's start there. So we find out, obviously, you know, Tennessee, uh, they, they let 
Jeremy Pruitt go, and in my opinion, it happened pretty quickly from the new, from when we find out that news to eventually, you know, they start the AD search, the head coach search, and you know, initially, I think we hear from some people saying, "Oh, look, they may slow play this. They're already bringing in Kevin Steele. Maybe he'll just serve as the interim coach." And then, lo and behold, no, they put the pedal to the metal. They go get Danny White as the AD from UCF, and then a few days later, they're hiring uh, Josh Heupel as the head coach. What did you make of? that whole process, and what do you make of the new hires for the Vols? Well, uh, let's just start with the last part first. I, I think they finally actually got one somewhat right. Uh, I do think that Josh Heifel was able to do some good work at UCF, and I know some people were pretty upset about uh, the fact that there didn't really seem to be a perceived creativity or a creative process in terms of trying to get him there, that it was kind of a, oh, no duh, you get the AD from UCF, and then you go get the head coach from UCF. But they could have definitely done worse. They they have in the past. I mean, the last three hires they've had, well, you know, I'm not going to completely ding Butch Jones. I mean, I know we like to because he actually, believe it or not, people don't give him credit for this. He somewhat won. Uh, he didn't beat Alabama, but he got good players there to Tennessee. And, I mean, at least one season I know of, but I don't know the records completely in front of me, but he was able to get nine wins. Uh, before that, they hadn't sniffed that at Tennessee for some time. Derek Dooley, just going back to that, that was an awful hire from the beginning. And the fact that you went from Philip Fulmer to that, uh, shame on you if you're Tennessee. And then the most recent one with Jeremy Pruitt. I mean, my interaction with him at at Georgia, and I know that a lot of people, I mean, I remember when Aaron Murray said this about him and Paul Feinbaum and everybody was quick to say, you know, you're just bitter and all these different types of things. But Jeremy Pruitt seemingly – there's kind of a shelf life with him is what it seems like is it seems like, you know, he's a good coach. I don't think anybody can take that away from him, but there is a little bit of an edge to him and that rubs people somewhat the wrong way. And I think that probably you couple that with really last year. I mean, it was really pretty derelict in his duty to not go ahead and start Harrison Bailey uh, at, at quarterback last year, because it was basically, I think to a certain point from what I could really just kind of gather was that it was, I know more than you guys do. And it's like, that's not the game that you want to play. <laughs> it's one of those when it seems like someone is, is ready to go, you give them a shot, you let them play. Because Lord knows you couldn't have done worse than what you were doing, finished 2-8 and eight last year. So, um, I, you know, I just I think he kind of wore out his welcome. And, and I think finally it got to a point where, I mean, Chris, I, I know you probably heard the whispers, a lot of us heard the whispers that this was coming, uh, that the NCAA was in Knoxville and, that uh, soon enough uh, there were going to be bad things coming for the Tennessee football program. So uh, we'll see how, how much uh, they've kind of uh, jumped on the grenade, if you will, in, in terms of being able to uh, cushion the blow that uh, the NCAA is going to give them. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be uh, an interesting report coming out soon enough that uh, we're going to be looking at, uh, you know, I mean, I, I know that we've got the, the rumors out there of the McDonald's bags and everything like that. But uh, I'm really looking forward to the NCAA kind of opening this thing up and uh, telling us what really happened. I have some Tennessee friends, friends, and some are realists and some are not. I mean, some were like, we should have gotten Hugh Freeze. We should have went after Lincoln Riley. I mean, they, they, it's it's amazing what some of these guys think. But you got to understand mm-hmm. where your school is at the time. It's not as a desirable position when you are maybe facing NCAA sanctions and you know let's be honest Tennessee's maybe not a top 10 job in the country right now that that said it could turn around quickly and look the one thing you know from talking to them is that you know these last few years 
was the offense was hard to watch, right? I mean, they, they ran the ball well at times, but the quarterback play has been subpar. Now, maybe part of that has been Jarrett Garantano, but I said the one positive is at least you're getting in a guy who can coach quarterbacks really well in a former good college quarterback himself in Josh Heupel. So if anything, like you mentioned, is it Harrison Bailey? Is it Hendon Hooker coming in for Virginia Tech? Whoever it is, at least they're going to have improvement at the quarterback spot. Yeah, I mean, you should probably have that. I mean, at least from what you just talked about with Josh Heifel and what he's been able to do at Central Florida. Um, you know, I think the question, though, with Tennessee is a, a couple of things. I think, like you said, the uh, situation with the NCAA, that's one. But the other one, too, is players. I mean, gosh, look how many players have stopped, have, have jumped into the transfer portal and said, I'm out of here and, and just, uh, moved on with their career. I mean, you've got almost half your roster that did that going to play at Oklahoma now. Uh, so, I mean, you've got that going against you. And, and let's face it, I mean, this first season, it's going to be ugly, you'd have to believe, for, for Josh Heupel because you're probably going to be playing guys who really in not even the plan B, but the plan C or even D scenario would get on the field and play for you if you were an SEC program that was at least competitive. Because you're going to be having to play true freshmen who aren't ready. You're going to have to likely play preferred walk-ons who would probably never see the field for you. Uh, so I, I think all of those things are in play that, I, I, you know, they're going, to, they're going to take it on the chin this year. There's no doubt about that. I'd even be surprised, Chris, that 2022 is not as equally as bad, maybe even worse. I think that probably if you're a Tennessee fan, I think you have to kind of taper your expectations to think, well, 2023 is when I can kind of start to see what Josh Heifel offers as a head coach and in, in the job that he has in front of him. I, I just, I think anything before that, you're kind of kidding yourself when you factor in the players that have left. And also too, I mean, we don't even know the recruiting restrictions that are going to be put on them, Chris. I mean, how, how many people are going to be able to sign to a class? I mean, right. How, how, how much are recruits going to be able to trust you right now that, you know, you can tell them, oh, hey, you know, we've got things under control, all these different types of things. Nobody wants to turn down an Alabama or a Florida or a Georgia or anywhere else to come play at Tennessee to only not be able to play in the SEC championship game or the bowl game for the, the, the better part or even their whole career. That, that's, that's something else you got to navigate. The uh, SEC schedule for 2021, Dan, got released a couple of days ago. We, we obviously knew who the opponents were and where you were playing them. We just didn't know when, you know, uh, how the schedule would shape up. So now that we've seen that, what, sta- what stands out to you the most? I mean, in my mind, that, that early season matchup between Clemson and Georgia really looms large is really a tone setter for the season because I keep saying Georgia's my pick to win not only the East next year, but I think they could win the entire SEC just with all they're bringing back. But that game really looms large. What did you make of the uh, SEC schedule? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one that, uh, of course, you know, Georgia with that game right at the beginning of the season against Clemson. The good news for them, though, in that one is if you lose the game, it's going to hurt your pride, but it's not going to hurt you where right. they can very easily turn around and as they've done in many years where they've had a situation like that, where they had an early season loss, they go down to Jacksonville, you beat Florida, your season's back on track. Uh, because you're exactly right. I mean, this is a team that really, I think that number one, their goal is going to be win the East. Win the East, get back to Atlanta, have an opportunity to play for it all again. And if you're a one-loss team going into that game, 
and you've got Alabama or LSU on the other side of you and you beat them, you're in. So, you know, I, I think more than anything, it's just a pride factor in that first game against Clemson. And you're going to have two really good teams in that one. LSU is one that's really interesting to me because I look at their schedule and just like, you know, Georgia where they've got a, a, a not, I'll, I'll just say for them a nice non-conference game to start the season. But I'm not going to go all the way through it. I'll, I'll just say I think that there's no reason for LSU that they shouldn't be undefeated going into that Florida game. And, and you get them at home this year too. So I think that that's one that Ed Ogeron really, really needs, especially after last year. He got some good momentum going into the offseason uh, with the two wins, especially the win over Florida. Um, he's retooled his coaching staff, so we'll see what that looks like with the spring practice and, and a full fall camp and summer workouts and everything like that. And also, too, uh, you know, I mean, I think that T.J. Finley did some good things for you, but Max Johnson is somebody who really seemed to – develop a real continuity and, and, and chemistry with, with the offense. And, and I think that there's belief that him coming in next year, I know some people are saying, whoa, 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 what about Miles Brennan? I wouldn't be shocked and surprised if, if we don't hear Miles Brennan going into the transfer portal. That's just conjecture. I haven't heard anything. But I just don't see if you're at Ogeron and you're um, DJ Mangus and, and the new offensive coaching staff that's come in for LSU that you can, you can say to a guy who is a true freshman came in, did what he did, and then say, all right, hey, sorry, this guy playing before you, he was good, and, you know, the, the offense seemingly was moving good with him. We're going to give it back to him. I, I just think if you do that, you're, you're down a slippery slope. I think you've got to kind of bite the bullet and tell Miles Brennan, hey, you really appreciate everything, but we got to go with the young guy. More with Dan Matthews right after this. A quick minute here for our friends at Bet Online. Look, the college football season has come to an end. NFL season is about to come to an end. We got one more game happening, a little game this Sunday. We call it the Super Bowl between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. And there is only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, and that is betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use our promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for your 50% off welcome bonus. Look, if you go there right now, you can find the line. I believe it is now down to uh, three. So Tampa Bay, if you want them plus the three, if you want Kansas City minus the three, it was three and a half last week on Bet Online, and it means money is coming in on Tom Brady and those pesky Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But if you want to get in on the line, if you want to get in on Tampa straight up, or if you want to get in some prop bets, they've got those. I was just reading through those at betonline.ag. You can bet on uh, the first player to score a touchdown. You can bet on total number of points scored. All kinds of crazy stuff you can get in on. Of course, my favorite's always the coin toss. Tails never fails. But you can do it all at betonline.ag. Look, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It is Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Hey, NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all over the NFL, obviously getting you set for the Super Bowl. Get your picks, previews, and much more with Peacock and Williamson, part of the Locked On Podcast 
Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Continue our conversation with our buddy Dan Matthews. Been covering the the SEC for a long time. Of course, uh, executive producer for the Chuck Oliver Oliver Show in Atlanta. And Dan, uh, the big news that came out the past day or so, obviously we, we knew Eric Gilbert, the tight end from LSU, five-star uh, recruit, number one tight end in the country. We knew he was entering the transfer portal and was going to be on the move, but, man, I think everybody and their brother kind of expected him. He was going to go to Georgia, right? I mean, Georgia is a, a favorite, uh, you know, preseason favorite next year, but for some reason the University of Florida was able to sell him on, hey, we just had Kyle Pitts leave here. You can come in and take his spot. What did you make of Eric Gilbert picking the Gators as his transfer destination? Well, I think a couple of things that were really surprising to me was, number one, I mean, this was just all reports, nothing necessarily confirmed at the beginning, but one of them was he wanted to be a little bit closer to home. I mean, yeah, Gainesville is a little bit closer than Baton Rouge, but not that much closer than uh, from there to, to Atlanta. But, you know, neither here nor there. Um, I think he just looked at the history, honestly, Chris. I mean, let's look at Georgia's history at the tight end. It hadn't been good. I mean, you had the freshman year of Isaac Nauta where he had that long catch and run against Tennessee, and you thought to yourself, him, Jacob Eason coming back, that's going to be a nice little that's going to be a nice little tandem there. I mean, he was a five star recruit. A lot of people uh, were really high on his upside there, including me. I mean, I, I thought that definitely his progression was going to be made, and seemingly it stalled. And that was frustrating for him. I mean, you know, Jeb Blazevich was not the player he was, but. It was kind of a similar deal with him. Had a good freshman year, and then not much after that. I mean, he had the top tight end last year, Darnell Washington, who aside from that game against Missouri, was not really a factor in the offense. So I think that's factored in, honestly. I think he looked at it. I'm sure that Kirby Smart, I'm sure that Todd Munkin told him, oh, no, you're going to be featured. You're going to be doing all that. I, I just think that he kind of looked at it and said, look, you know, yeah, that's true. I'm a good enough player where, yes, I could be featured. But I think he also realized there's going to be a lot of there, – there's only one football to go to a lot of talented players on the field next year. Uh, at Florida, he's got an opportunity to be the guy. Uh, at, at Georgia, I mean, you've got, uh, you've got a situation right now where you've got Jermaine Burton. You, you've got uh, also, too, uh, George Pickens. I mean, we'll see what happens with uh, Marcus Roseme if coming back from that awful leg injury he had against Florida last year in the cocktail party. Uh, Darnell Washington's going to be back, so we'll see how much he factors in. And then, of course, you've got the running backs. I mean, a lot of people believe this is going to be more of a spread offense next year, and the passing game is going to be featured a lot more. I just think that he definitely wanted to go with uh, the, the program that has featured his position, and not only featured his position, but done it at a high level. I mean, Kyle Pitts is going to make some serious money in April. So I, I think that he looks at what Dan Mullen does with an offense and said, yeah, you know what, I think I want to go with a, a proven a, a proven thing Then I want to go with the chance to be somebody at, 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 at a school, and uh, that's that's why I truly believe he chose uh, Florida. Yeah, I'm, I'm just still amazed that Todd Grantham is still the defensive coordinator there in Florida. I really thought he was going to be on the way out, but you, know, you mentioned tight ends of Georgia. I was thinking back, Randy McMichael, Ben Watson, Orson Charles. It's been a while since those guys have played there, so... Uh, yeah, you're right. It's been a while since they've had that production. Dan, tomorrow is officially National Signing Day, and it, it's silly. I mean, right, the early signing period has now become technically the signing period. That's where you sign, like, you know, 90% of your class. But we still have a couple of undecideds out there. We'll see what happens. But I couldn't believe when I read Alabama is set to ink 
the uh, the top-rated college football recruiting class of all time. They have 13 of the top 90 players already signed, seven five-star prospects either signed or committed. I mean, this is... In my mind, this is where it starts. Everybody's like, how does Saban just get to the championship every year? I mean, this is the reason why. What do you do if you're other teams? How do you stop this machine that Nick Saban has created at Alabama? You evaluate better. And that's easier said than done, but you evaluate better. I mean, I think that that's how LSU was able to get get the team that they had last year is you were able to keep most of the guys in state. And you also, too, you hit on those guys. So I think that there's got to be a little bit of luck in that regard where you've got to be able to make sure that the guys that you do win out on are the ones who, who pan out. I mean, Nick Saban, you, you hit it right on the head, Chris. He can miss on a guy or two, and then they can transfer out of the program. That happens. But for the most part, his success rate's unreal. I mean, just because they truly evaluate the talent. I mean, they, tr- they treat recruiting much like an NFL team treats the combine and treats the draft process and in, in, in the undrafted free agents and everything else of trying to build out their roster year in and year out. And, I mean, it truly is a professional organization in the way they do, they do it. And I don't know if you had a chance over the weekend to catch the video that leaked out there, but yeah. if, if you haven't, or, and if some of your listeners don't know, um, just, just look up Nick Saban recruiting video. And if you're a 17, 18-year-old kid, you've got that coming at you where it's, hey, you're being recruited by the best, and if you're told by others, well, you're not going to play at Alabama, you can play here, you're basically being told we're not as good as them. So, you know, I mean, that's being used at you, and, and, and you're 17, 18 years old, you're probably pretty impressionable. Uh, I mean, I don't know about you. I, I think if he's saying that to me in a recruiting pitch, I'm like, yeah, you know what, you're right. I, I shouldn't go play at another school because I'm, I'm admitting that I don't want to be as good. Um, so I, I think that all of those things factor in, and, of course, the results and, and the reputation, I mean, it's just it's a whole gumbo of everything that goes into to what makes it for him. And, uh, I mean, credit to him, too, as well. You know, I mentioned this on the Chuck Oliver show a couple of weeks ago where it seemed like the best things that could have ever happened to Nick Saban happened this year where it was for the first time since 2010 losing more than one regular season game and having people wonder, is this the beginning of the end? Well, then he says, okay, well, here's what I'll do for the quote-unquote beginning of the end. I'll completely shape, uh, reshape my, my strength and conditioning staff. So they did that. Um, also, too, I, I think that one of the worst things for, for the rest of college football was him getting COVID and him having to sit out that game and not being able to be part of it. I mean, you even heard him talk about where he had to take a drive. He didn't know what to do with himself. So I think that he said to himself, I, I, don't, want, I don't want this sensation anytime soon. So I, I just think that the, the motivation has been done for him and the, the fire is, is burning as hot as it ever has. And he's also still got a great staff around him that's able to sell the program and sell the vision. And when you got all those things working for you, you want to be a part of that. There's no doubt about it. What, what did you make of the, uh, speaking of competing with Alabama, um, I don't think we've talked to you since Auburn made the hire of both Brian Harson and then assembling quite a staff from uh, Mike Bobo as the offensive coordinator and Derek Mason as the defensive coordinator. Uh, obviously, longtime SEC guys who've been around the block, but is that, uh, is that a good grouping for Auburn, in your opinion? I think it is. I mean, I, I think kind of 
you know, the situation where you thought to yourself uh, that that's, that's where Hugh Freeze was going to go. You, you thought that that was, and I did too. I mean, I, I thought if nothing else, it just made way too much sense. I think he did the right thing. I mean, you look at his history. I mean, I know he's got a little bit of time in the southern part of the country when he was the offensive coordinator at Texas, but uh, for the most part, I'm sure he doesn't have those strong bonds with uh, the Atlanta area high school coaches. I mean, that's somewhere that Auburn, when they've been successful, they've been able to pull players west out of Atlanta and not that far over to Auburn and then being able to go into other states and then also recruit your own state as well. Florida has been a huge one for them as well. I think that's why it was so huge for him to get Derek Mason and to get Mike Bobo. I mean, a couple of coaches who have strong ties to the area. He's got a few others as well with strong ties in the area and and also too with their work in the SEC. I think that that's really huge because when you've got a, a head coach, a head coaching hire, there's always, really one of two it's either I don't know and if it's an I don't know then the fan base immediately hates it (laughs) and of course if the fan base hates it then the media will say that they hate it it's terrible to reach all these different types of things or it's also too it's the quote-unquote it's the proven commodity I don't necessarily know if I want the proven commodity because more often than not that kind of leads to some complacency to already build in because it's a belief oh we've got this all we need to do is show up and win I think when it's one of those that there's kind of a little bit of doubt put in there, then there's motivation to say, okay, no, we can build this thing. And he did a good job when he was at Boise State. I don't think anybody can take that from him. Did he win like Chris Peterson did? No, he didn't, but he didn't break the program. And I think if somebody doesn't break the program, then I'm going to say they did a good job. And for the other reasons I mentioned too, I mean, having those coaches with the ties to the area, it's going to be so huge for him to be able to help him kind of endear himself to the coaches in the area and be able to try to build that trust. Um, I mean, it sounds like if nothing else, he's got uh, at least the desire to do that. Uh, whereas I don't, I don't necessarily know if Gus Malzahn had that. I think Malzahn was kind of one of those that he would use the, uh, you know, with, with high school coaches, Hey, I'm one of you, you know, I'm, I'm a guy that, that got this opportunity and, and, and rose through the ranks and, and got to this point. Um, and, and now I, I think that it's a, it's a chance for them to uh, be able to kind of hit reset as a program and, and try to uh, rebuild uh, the buzz around their program that I think to a certain point kind of got stagnant, fair or not. He is Dan Matthews, of uh, executive producer for the Chuck Oliver Show. We'll be covering the SEC for a long time. And, Dan, last thing for you, uh, SEC Media Days, thankfully, they announced uh, they are planning to go – you know, as normal, which is a good sign. It means next football season, at least as of now, everything is planned to start on time and as normal. But I, I, I've joked about this. We were talking about Alabama a minute ago and how to beat Saban. I think what they should do that week is set aside some time for every coach but Saban to get into a room at SEC Media <laughs> Days in Hoover and go, hey, how do we beat this guy? Let's all come together. Lane, what can I do to help you? Mike Leach, what can I do to help you? Like, everybody needs to come together and almost plan an attack on Alabama and figure out how they can knock these guys down. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, either that or if nothing else, just give Alabama their own day by themselves. Because, <laughs> I mean, as, as we've seen, too, you know, between the fan with the ring helmet and, and uh, everybody else that's down in the lobby at the Winfrey, uh, you know, it's just, it's almost like the Beatles are in town, you know? I mean, it's, 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 it's almost like when, when Jordan and Pippen and the 90s Bulls came to town, right. you, know, you, you, you knew exactly who was rolling through that day. I mean, and he had the, 
the, the almost presidential motorcade and everything. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, if nothing else, I mean, it's, it's something that, that all of us are really going to look forward to. Cause I don't know about you, Chris, I mean, for our job, I don't know if I've ever felt more disconnected to the job than I have this season. Now, yeah. look, I, I, I mean, listeners are not going to feel bad for us and you shouldn't, but at the same time though, too, I mean, it's going to be good to hopefully, hopefully, I mean, Lord knows with this thing, you know, all we can say is hopefully until we know um, is that we are able to get a little bit more personal interaction with players and coaches this year. Cause I think it's very beneficial. I think that it's one of those things that it improves the, the rapport uh, between you two, where if you ask them a question, you're not just someone asking them a question through a computer screen that they don't know. Uh, you're actually somebody that they see on a semi-regular basis. So, you know, I look forward to that. Hopefully uh, I look forward to Hopefully we get uh, the radio row, at least somewhat of a version of it, and, and we can have uh, everything uh, back to uh, what we've had it somewhat the last few years. But uh, I just know that uh, it's something that I, I don't think that there's a lot of coaches. Let's, let's just say this. If it's not in Hoover, Chris, <laughs> it's probably definitely in Destin every year where maybe over a couple of cocktails or on the golf course, it's a, hey, you know, how are you able to do this? I mean, for the select few coaches, who've been able to beat Nick Saban, you know, Hey, what, you know, what, what did you guys do that day? You know, Hey, you know, show, show us what you did here and show us what you did there. And you know, all those different types of things. So no, everybody's definitely looking for a reason to, uh, or, or looking for uh, a way to be able to uh, get the best of them. But, uh, you know, it's kind of like that part in the movie miracle where they talked about trying to score on the Russian goalie. And they said, if you do, keep the puck because it doesn't happen very often. So I guess that's uh, something that coaches uh, in this league need to think about as well. Yeah, I think I, I just realized when you were talking about this season, this was the first year in like 20 years I had I did not attend an SEC football game, and that just blew my mind. I was like, wow, I really didn't go to a game this year. That just kills me. So I'm going to make up for it next year. Dan. I'm going to like I'm going on road trips. I'm going to try to hit every stadium this this season and do a road trip if, uh, if we can do that. So, uh, hey, sign me up for the vaccine. Scene. I'm ready to go. There we go. Yeah, I mean, I, I need two shots to the arm, and then I'll go ahead and start making my, my, my plan. He is Dan Matthews. Of course, uh, follow him on Twitter, at DanMatthewsATL. Dan, always good to catch up, man. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. You know it, and hopefully soon enough we're talking the real thing on the field. That is going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. Appreciate you guys for listening. We'll be back tomorrow to talk a little bit on signing day. Get you ready for that. See if there's any big changes from any of the schools across the SEC. And also, expect to catch uh, some interviews throughout this week and next week with some former SEC players preparing for the NFL draft. So keep an eye out for that. Remember to subscribe to Locked on SEC. We're here for you each and every day talking all things SEC. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. 